When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're, and it's, it's nice that we're comfortable in those silences. We just don't speak to each other for the first yeah. five minutes we're in the room. I've always said true friends are able to be silent on their phones together. 100%. That's the mark of a true friendship. I agree. Welcome to Basic Training, a podcast for people that need help. And a podcast <laughs> for people who... Shit. Oh, God. We haven't done this in a minute. A podcast for people who post thirst traps. Ah! You could, wait, let's do the welcome to Basic Training again because we weren't like in it. I think we should use both. Wait, welcome to, ba- Ooh. Welcome to Basic <laughs> Training, a podcast for people that need help. And a podcast for people. <laughs> I'm so off my game. I can't think of anything. It, this is the problem with not talking when I come in. Because, wait, do you feel like posting the thirst trap destabilized you for the day? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Wow. It really destabilized me. Let's walk me. through the impetus for posting this. Let's really talk about this. So were you, is this targeted at a specific person? No, okay. no. And that's why it sucks. I don't have a crush right now. I, there's nobody in my Not life. Not having a crush sucks so bad. It's so sucky. Not having a crush sucks so bad. I have nothing to live for. Like I'm just, I'm just like a floating, See, oh like a God. plastic no, bag. Just, because this is the thing I'm dealing with because like, I mean, at this point. Do you ever feel? <laughs> no, but so I'm like coming up on a year of being single now. But I think because, first of all, it was like a new thing that I was single. Yeah. It's like the thing every person asks me is like, is there anyone? Are you dating? Are you seeing anyone? And I'm like, no. And I'm guilty of that too because that's my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. It sucks. And it's like, no, there's I, nothing wrong with it. I, as a person, am the living contradiction to the Bechdel test. Like my entire <laughs> personality is like women need to have their own lives. Like fuck men. We can't live for men. But at the same time, every time I see anybody in my life, I'm like, so who's in your life? Like who are the men? I think relationships are so fun to talk about. Sex is so fun to talk about. This was like one of the first things we connected on. Yes, exactly. It's just fun. It's just a great topic. And it really does. It, it gives you automatically a conversation every time you see somebody. It's just to have a crush it really fills your the holes in your life with a little extra something. Well, a hundred percent, and it's like it's something. Well, we've both like it's like going out. We've. We, I think you and I need to are like really at the forefront of this conversation, which is like we everyone was like going out with just your friends and like not hooking up is like so great, and I'm like no, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. We need to be the ones to say it. Not <laughs> your like, friends aren't enough. Your friends are not enough. <laughs> you need to get laid. Why are you going out? Why don't you just stay in then? What's wh- why go through the trouble of spending forty dollars on drinks and like Ubers? There and, is no, no shame, and it's not like it has to happen. But there is no shame in acknowledging that part of what makes going out fun is the chance that a new person might get involved, and then they might get involved with you. And even when you show up to the place, there's no more disheartening thing than showing up to the place and you shaved your whole vagina and you're like ready to go, <laughs> like you stuck a suppository up there and you're ready to get laid. And you show up on a Friday night and there's not a single ounce of talent in the place. I'm talking it's devastating. Like, nobody in there is even like this weekend. I it's been a minute for me. And I sorry, really, is this suppository so that you're wetter? No, the suppository is so that you're like your pH is reset. It's something that people do. People meaning me. 
I like to stick something up there. Wait, sorry. Is <laughs> it about smell? Is it about so much. Is it about smell? It pH? helps with smell. It helps with like comfort. Like I just get really. I'm very. I my vagina is we very regimented. It's okay. <laughs> okay, I really do like care about the health of my vajage. And no, that's good. I um. <laughs> Remember when my thirst trap felt a little bit much for me this morning? Um, I There's this thing called boric acid suppositories and you stick them up there. I prefer to do it after my period ends. It's like a little pill. You uh -huh. stick it up I there. You don't feel anything. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And you stick it up there before you go to bed and it just resets your pH after your period or after maybe you have sex with somebody without a condom on or with the condom on. Like I just do it after I've had I sex. get that. It yeah, just yeah. sets everything out. And sometimes before I'm going to have sex... And I really want to like manifest it. I put one up there the night before because I f it just makes me feel like a new woman. I love that. Like I feel clean and I feel fresh. Also, if you put it in, this this might be a rumor, but you put it in less than 24 hours before and somebody eats you out, they die. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> so. No, wait, pause. Walk me through that again. It's poisonous if ingested. So if you put one of these in and someone goes down and on you within twenty four like hours, it hasn't fully dissolved. They will full tilt die. No, that I don't think that cannot die. be true because you're you absorb things through your vagina. It would kill you. I think to ingest it, it's the same. A lot of it is used in rat poison. I will say that boric acid. This can't be good for I you, don't, Talia. No, this? it is. No, no, no. I've, I've consulted. My gynecologist prescribed okay, them to you're, me. Not, no, okay, like, they don't need to be prescribed, but she was like, yeah, you should try that. I feel like weirdly out of funk after my period sometimes. And it like just like it starts me on a yeah, new path okay. for the month. So anyways, there's nothing more. Let's get back to the point. It really sucks when you plan for it and yes, you walk no, in this there is an important point. and we you've already lowered your standards a couple notches. And even then, nobody is up to your standards in the place. Like you've done the whole head count of everybody in there and nobody in there you can even imagine taking home. I but know. still, still I'd rather be there and just flirting with random people and like feeling hot, feeling fun, dancing and like, like making like turning people into memes for our friend group. Like let's find a new memory. Let's find a new person to joke about whose name we don't know for the next two years. It's just like having cr having crushes, having people in the mix is so fun. And so when it's fun. not happening, it is so frustrating because you also can't just like create it. Exactly. You can't just like make like lore up out of nothing. Like you need, the friend group needs lore. And the only way you get this lore. Is what, like, this is where like grinder and scruff make it kind of boring because like in my friend group, it's like everyone has their people that they're like hooking up with, but it's all like clandestinely being done on like the phone. Do you know right. what I mean? So you're not like seeing it play out and like, the, like no, I want to see, see my friends like flirt in, in is, public. We talked about this like really early in the podcast and it's like, I, I'll say it again. Like we need to be hitting on, on each other in real life. We, we do. need to be hitting on each other in real life. It's an you art. You need to be taking L's. In, yes. in the field, you need to be getting knocked down and walking to the bar and right. taking a shot and getting the fuck over it and moving on. And enough of this like, oh, I'm going to meet up with him later. No, you invite your hookups when you're going out with your friends so that there can be drama on the night out. It's just like, I want to see you hook up with somebody be a in producer front of, the guy of your own life that you're like almost exclusive with, but not. I want to see drama. I want to see a story. The friend group needs lore. You need the lore. You need the storylines. You need characters. You need to meet yeah. people who are going to become the meme of your group chat. Like, remember <laughs> that bald guy we met three years ago? Like, that you need people like that. You do. 
it's so funny to use that language because it's like basically just like you're talking it's like bringing it back to internet but it's like you need to just live an interesting life it's really yeah. all it is like it's not like it's not about making like content like it's making like right. it's just like having a life well modern social norms and all of it depending on the internet is not conducive to an interesting life we have to admit that I'm the biggest fan of the internet it's given me a career I'm a fan of modernity I'm a 100%. fan of moving forward I don't want to get rid of the internet and that's what this conversation often becomes when we get into this so let's make that clear. But I'm not I, saying I want to get rid of the internet. No, it's just people are always like, oh yeah, fuck dating apps. Like they shouldn't exist. No, I get the benefits. I really do. I like the internet. But it is making our lives more boring. I spend 100%. 10 hours a day staring at a screen. We have to make an effort to put some of the drama in real life. Like all Absolutely. of your fights need to be not overtaxed. We need 100%. to do this in 100%. But okay, what were we talking about before? I don't even remember how we got on the subject, but it was a good Vaginal subject. Vaginal suppository. Well, we were talking, oh, we were just saying how, not, oh, oh, this is all because you posted a thirst trap. And I was oh. asking, was the impetus that you have a crush? No, no I don't have a crush. I'll tell you what happened. I went out. My vagina was smelling like nothing. It was the perfect night. <laughs> and my legs were shaved and I was in a cute outfit. And I, my friends took a really cute photo of me on their cute digital camera. Your boobs look amazing in that photo. Well, you know what? I really have complicated feelings about showing my boobies online. If you'll notice, <laughs> all of my um, honestly, me too. TikToks are like, <laughs> oh, guess how many followers I've lost in the hour that it, since I posted it. We talked about my thirst trap follower loss, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Did we talk about that? That's why. Four, I'm okay. This. Um, okay. When I posted a thirst trap in in six hours, I lost four hundred followers. How? It's been forty five minutes. <laughs> have you lost two hundred? Four hundred. Stop. 400 followers. And that's okay. I'm happy to like, like clear out the, the weed out the people. Okay. People need to support me for me. And if that means you can't deal with my boobies in your face, totally. I don't want you in my life anyway. Totally. But I make an effort to take videos often from like shoulders up. I used to be really comfortable with posting my boobs. And then I had like a whole, I don't know. I feel like I just grew up a little bit. I started developing really complicated feelings about like my Instagram being like still a personal place for me or a professional place where I like connect with people like mentor types, people like comics or people who I see as like, I, I don't I know, family, me, friends, all like yeah. all people that I don't want to see my tits or even any of my really risque TikToks. And then TikTok is like a whole different land. And to me, I've like settled that in my mind as if you go visit my TikTok, you're like you're opening yourself up to that side of me, but I'm not going to shove it in your face on Instagram. Because, right, I get that. I, I fully understand. You know what I mean? So well, because for both of us, it's like Instagram was something I had before I was anyone online. Exactly. And then TikTok wasn't. Like when I started doing TikTok, it very quickly became something else. And part of like being, yeah. if you're going to be a content creator, you have to come to terms with the fact that like all of your platforms are now going to be public and you have to like stop catering to the 1,000 people who you don't want to see this side of you. I know. Like I still really like had a hard time being okay with the, the, the parents of the kids I babysit seeing this photo. The kids I babysat six years ago who are totally. now in college. Totally. Like I had a really hard time with that. I have a hard time with like Michael Rappaport seeing that thirst trap of me today. Oh, I mean, like, I'm like, I just, it's freaking me out. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's very fun. Like, yeah, it's very funny to think about. I post. <laughs> my like eighth grade history teacher who's gay follows me. And I'm like, I, know, no. I posted like, I posted like a full speedo thirst trip. Katie Couric follows me. Like yeah. that doesn't need to happen. And it's <laughs> like, like, I just, I, but it, why did I feel the need? There's also the feelings of, I hate every time a guy comments on it, which is like bound to happen. It's a giant, it's a picture of my tits and they're out. I mean, yeah, say it. I know. Yeah. And people like 
girls comment on it. My friends comment on it. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. I'm like, ooh, cute. Like, I want to share this photo because I feel pretty and I never dress feminine. I never feel feminine. I never post anything that makes me feel like, you know, we're all owed that moment where a couple hundred people comment that you're hot. But I want my friends to do it. And when all these guys are doing it, I suddenly feel so disgusted. Like, I no, hate I being perceived by men. So I'm having complicated feelings about my thirst trap and I don't even know if I'm going to keep it up. So enjoy it while you can take your screenshots now, folks. And, um, (laughs) but I'm really happy that I like, it it really is. This sounds so silly, but to post a photo of me that is completely unironically just about feeling confident and sexy and feminine was a mental hurdle. Like I had a hard time I, with it. I saw it this morning at the gym and I was like, okay, Talia, yeah. like, I love it. I Thank think it's you. good. It's just really, it's like, I don't know. I have such an, I have no problem telling the entire world, telling 3 million views that I like have somebody's cum dripping down my leg because it's for the sake of comedy and it's funny. Like I really like entertaining, but when it's like a picture of me, which by the way, wouldn't be a slutty photo if I had small boobs. And that's another thing. And I know that it's like a hard argument to make because I don't have small boobs and I never have. But this photo is slutty because of my boobs. When I post that, I have such a hard time with being seen as sexual by like people that I respect. Like I'm so afraid that like Neil Brennan is going to unfollow me. No, I get that too. (laughs) But it's like, but also like the longer it goes on, you're sort of like, okay, but like me being someone who sometimes wants that kind of attention or like just wants to exist in that sort of way also like it's like I'm funny enough that when I do the comedy stuff it's still funny do you know what I mean it's not like we're pulling the wool over people's eyes and creating this one thing that they think we are and if they find out we're also this thing it it makes us not this I know I I have to like reckon with the fact that I'm a nuanced person and that's what the caption was meant to when I tell people who don't know like I don't think I'm like it like I'm not a very funny person in my personal life like in certain in certain (laughs) when I was in Provincetown this summer we had these like older gay guys over that were like friends of my friends who like they were kind of I don't like I don't remember the exact story of how we became friends with them but there was like these two couples who were like a few a couple decades older than us we had them over for dinner it was like really nice and at one point there was like me and my friend Matt were talking to the two of them and we were just like having cocktails and he was like oh what do you do and Matt was like oh I run a restaurant da 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 and then he's like what do you do and I was like I'm a comedian he was like oh you haven't been funny at all yeah. Oftentimes we aren't funny. I always say my in my friend group at home, I have a friend named Roxy. <coughs> shout out to her. I don't even think she listens to the Wait, podcast. I have to do a shout out after this that I just remembered. Okay, great. I'll remind you. Roxy is naturally one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. She is quick. She's so totally. biting and good and like really, really sharp. Sharper than me. And it makes me insecure because when we're all hanging out, I'm thinking like, I don't know. Like, why is this my career choice? Like, Roxy's eating me up right now. Like, she's making the whole group laugh and I haven't said anything funny in hours. And it makes me a little bit insecure. But then what you have to remember is like, maybe I'm not, what I'm selling, what I'm broadcasting and making a living off of is not necessarily just my cleverness or my worldview or like social commentary. It's a mixture of all of it, yeah. I have it. I have it in there. But maybe it's the fact that I'm shamelessly willing to broadcast it to the world, whereas Roxy keeps her stories private. Like she yeah. isn't willing to like talk to a million people about this private aspect. Like maybe my vulnerability and shamelessness is really my talent, not my sense of humor. Like there are people that are so much funnier than me, but maybe what we're good at is being not embarrassed 
to share. Well, I also think there's a difference because, like, I don't know. In my personal life, I also can find myself being very funny. Like, if I'm in the, if I hit like the right streak, or I'm like, I'll be like, I'm on fire tonight. Like, I'm making everyone laugh. I'm having a good time. Right, right. But there's also times where like I'm not able. I'm like not doing that. Right. But it's more by choice of like I'm just kind of like chilling. You know. I have but those, it's, like, but also a lot of times it's not by choice. Like I'm just not on. Right, but I think that there's there's a mixture of like. What are you, are you able to take like what you can do in like the moment with friends and then make it into something that you can then like put on stage right. or put in a video? Like there's, I mean, well, there's more to saying. it. It's like the ability to turn it into something that is meant to be broadcasted. Yeah. Which is something that, for example, my friend like doesn't want to do. Like she does not want totally. to be a TikToker. She doesn't want to be a performer. Totally. I'm good at turning the daily life into something that is a performance. Yeah. Whereas she is really way quicker than me in totally. daily life and it makes me insecure but it's like we all have our thing wait what was like oh the shout out i have to do before we go oh yeah pause. do it sorry it was just that there was a really nice person who stopped me on the sidewalk to say that they liked the podcast but i don't my I was, podcast <laughs> they, that they like talia's <laughs> podcast um and i but i was on the phone with my dad and it like really startled me and i kind of just went oh my god thank you and then like kept walking because oh, i like the worst I, and then afterwards i was like fuck i like I think I wasn't mean, but I would I would have stopped and talked more. But I was on the phone with my dad and my earpods. So thank you for listening to the podcast, and um, I'll see you around the neighborhood again because it was in my yeah. neighborhood. There's nothing that keeps me up more is, than worrying that maybe my smile or like lack of uh, reaction to somebody saying hi to me was perceived as me being mean or ignorant. Oh, interesting. I don't think that you would come across as like mean accidentally. I don't think so either. But like you know, sometimes like I'll lose sleep over like. I was on the phone and I didn't respond quick enough or I'll make eye contact with somebody by accident and they'll think that I'm like staring at them and judging them, but I just like was staring. <laughs> last night I was you at, know what I mean? Last night I was at Bernie's with my friend and there was this like very visibly straight man who was, we were at the bar and I was like, this guy is staring at me. And he, <gasps> I was like, he's sitting with his girlfriend. Like, this is crazy. Oh like, my God. This man, but I was like, but I was like, why is he, I've never seen someone like flirtatiously stare at someone so shamelessly. Uh -huh. And I like, it was like unbreaking eye contact. Like every time I looked over and then like <laughs> our, another girl we know who like works at the restaurant, but was off that. And I like, came over to check and she's like, are you guys watching the football? Like as a joke. And I realized like directly above my head was a football game playing. <laughs> 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 he was just staring at that the whole time. But for like 10 minutes, like I was talking to my friend, but kept on being like, why is this man staring at me? He was just watching football. Did I ever tell you my story about, um, what's, what's the, What's the really beautiful man from Jury Duty? Oh, James Marsden. James Marsden. You told the story on the podcast. I have. I think so. Okay, well then whatever. Never mind. Or no, you told it on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, he came over to talk to you? He came over to use the bathroom. Oh. But I thought he was coming straight for me. And I the way that I like turned and pushed my chest out, <laughs> I was like, yes. And he goes, excuse me, just right behind you in the men's room. Devastating. I was standing on the men's room door. But Devast anyways. He's one of the most beautiful people I've ever, I've never seen him in real life. But and he he's is. so like not my type, but I still, I, he made me nervous. He has yeah, such charisma. Yeah, totally. He's got charisma. Yeah. Um, should we do some calls? Yeah, let's do it. Hello, um, I'm a 20-year-old girl in college, and the past few years, I've considered myself bisexual. However, um, I recently went on a date with a man, and, like, he was nice, he was attractive, like, he was only, like, minimally off-putting. <laughs> um, but afterwards, like, immediately afterwards, and then, like, the next couple of days, I just felt really uncomfortable. And I'm thinking maybe it's just I don't like first dates. I don't like that it feels like an interview or, um, you know, I'm just not attracted to men at all. Could also be it. But I'm just wondering if you have any advice on figuring out, 
like how to feel comfortable dating and also just like maybe any takes on compulsory heterosexuality. But I just thought, who better to ask than the most biconic straight woman <laughs> and a gay man? So you're both <laughs> wonderful and thank you. Okay, this who was a this is one of my favorite calls we've got ever and a guy. <laughs> Did you hear what she called you right? Biconic because of how I think used to think you were bi. Am I biconic? I thought she said iconic. I think she said biconic as a joke because I thought you were bi for like six months. I don't know if she caught that. I think that a lot of people do still think that I am bi. And that's why she's asking. Biconic straight woman. Then the most biconic straight. Biconic. She said biconic. <laughs> is, is she ironically saying like, yes, I'm, yes. Because she said biconic sure? straight woman. She knows you're straight. Oh, right. I'm so dumb. I totally missed this. No, it's fine. I, I, worked okay. it, I worked it through for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was I going to say? Oh, I just Wait, I just part- want to say this call was funny as fuck and I like her. No, she's great. Well, we like everybody who calls in. They're all like our type of people as we've well, said many totally, times. Yes. But somebody, no, what did she say? What was, what did she say? That was so funny. She goes, oh, I was only like mildly Mi- He was minimally out. off-putting. <laughs> yeah, he was minimally, minimally off-putting. off-putting. Isn't it great when you have a date and he's only like 50% a man? Well, I'm interested because, okay, so she said she went on the date and then over the next few days started to feel uncomfortable. Is it like she's replaying the date and being like, ew? Because it's like... I think she, yeah, she, sometimes you just get that. It's called like the ick is what we're calling it now. But I mean. Yeah. Okay. It's a hard thing to say because I don't, as I'm, as unfortunately, I'm not bisexual as we've confirmed on the pod. I can't contribute much to this. Well, no, but I she's just saying dating in like, general. But I feel like this has to do compulsory heterosexuality. Like well, this has compet to do with- is, we can talk about, I guess we can, but I feel like there's two separate things she's asking about. She's asking about like general dating, how you get feel comfortable dating. Yeah. Which it's like, and then, and then I guess like thoughts on compulsory heterosexuality, which like neither of us can really speak to, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel that the problem, that the discomfort that you're experiencing like you made the connection yourself. The discomfort that you're having from dating comes from the feeling of compulsory heterosexuality that you're wrestling with. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like that's where the discomfort is, is the fact that you feel like you're being, you need to date a guy, but you really don't like to date guys. Are you, do you feel this feeling after you go on dates with girls? Well, it's also, I think, yeah, it's also, I wonder maybe what she's also speaking about. And this I can speak to is like part of compulsory heterosexuality in my mind is not just like, is like the compulsory nature of like, it's assumed that men date women and women date men, but also like the the roles of that relationship and the dynamics of how the date works out and how like, what are, what like norms are, like one person pays, like shiv- like all these different things. And maybe like when you're bi, you have like dates with women and then you also have dates with men and the men, the male dates are going to feel much more like structured because there's, is this like societal script for what happens yeah. in them. But it's also like, I like as a gay man, like, I feel like there are some times where I've gone on dates with guys where it is like, oh, you're, you still map dates and relationships onto heterosexual traditions. Right. You know? And like, that's like a thing when you're dating that you have to reckon with is like, oh, like, like, I don't know, like for me, like when I'm on a dating app, if someone says that they're like very anti-non-monogamy, it's like, I'm like, oh, I, then I don't think we're a match. Not because right. I absolutely couldn't do monogamy, but the fact that you're very judgmental of non-monogamy at 
all is indicative that we think about relationships differently. Do you know what I mean? I'm, that's a perfect example. I'm so, very judgmental about non-monogamy. Right. So you and I are very, but I'm also straight. And I've only ever seen myself in relationships like in the future as heterosexual ones. So I only think in those terms. Right. And so maybe so, that's what you're kind of stuck in. Yeah. I guess it's like, I would say my advice would be like, I think that like there's, I think you just got to date a bunch, like date a lot. Yeah. A lot of girls, a lot of guys, a lot of they's. And like, I think just like, because the more you do that, the more you'll figure out what you like. And then the more you can parse out like, what is me being uncomfortable because I'm new to dating and what is like uncomfortable because I dislike this, you know? Yeah. That's kind of my thought. I've, I've kind of agree with you. Cause I think it's like what you're working through is what are you like doing or assuming because of compulsory heterosexuality and what are you doing because you want to do it? And I think the only way you can figure that out is by doing a lot of different things. Amen. But my only thing, I guess, yeah, I like the advice of just keep dating. It's a very hard feeling to grapple with the feeling of like being grossed out after a date and like not being able to even think about it anymore. Like having the ick that hard, that discomfort. If you, I don't think that you should keep dating that person. Oh, is what no, I'm no, 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 no. I don't think you should go. I think that, that it's that not person. like what I say, what we're saying about how this is tied in with your heterosexual sort of dynamic tendencies, like way of thinking. We're not saying that like this guy, ugh, I lost my, okay. This guy made you more uncomfortable than other dates for a reason. Does that make sense? It's not just because of the way that you're thinking. It also has to do with the guy. Okay, I think I found myself there. A lot of big words this time. But, what? No, but this is like a hard one, but I think we did it. Where did I, yeah, I think we no, did I it. No, I think we got, I think we got I somewhere. I think we got it. I think we got it. And if we didn't call back and we'll like, we'll double down. We'll double down. Yeah, that was a hard one. But I liked it. I like to be challenged. I just hate that feeling of discomfort, but it has to do with the guy. At least partially. Yeah. Hi, Kelly and Jake. I am a big fan of the podcast, and I just wanted to get some advice from you guys. Um, so basically, I am a oh no. like young gay kid. Sorry, I just saw the title of this call, and like I'm already having like a panic attack. Aww. Oh no! Sorry, he and he sounds so sweet. Go. Okay. In my high school, and I'm like the only one really so i have like one really close friend and i have this friend group and i feel like i'm being dropped a little bit and like every few weeks they like have big like parties without me and it's just i don't even know but i feel like jake can help with this because he might be able to relate more but um yeah so like just being like a guy and having really only like girlfriends, like how, what is your experience with that? And like, what can I do really? Thanks so much. Love the pod. And yeah. Bye. Okay. I lit I've never loved a caller more. Like I feel so much deep love for this child. <laughs> like, this is a visual episode because you have to see our face. Like, I'm like unwell. We just No, like, okay. <sighs> okay, but I have so, I do have so much to say. And a, in, in a weird way, it ties back to what we were talking about at the top of the call, at the top of this episode, okay. I think. Because it's like, I think that, 
I was also someone, I was very, very fortunate in high school to have a gay best friend, mm. which was very, very fortunate being from like a small town that right. there was another gay guy who was like my best friend. But he was a little bit older than me. So for the last two or three years of high school, he had already graduated. Mm -hmm. So I did still within my high school friend group, it was all girls, all girls. And like, I think that's a really common experience. And it sucks because there, you can, a lot of times it's like, you want to feel like one of that friend group, but also you aren't in a certain way. Not that you're not part of the friend group, but you're not the exact same as everyone else, right? You're still not a girl. Right, you're not a girl. Right, and so one thing that I think comes up is like if, girl, if the girls wanna like have a party and invite the straight boys over and like maybe some stuff happens, like you can, you kind of fuck that mix up a little bit, right. especially, or like they'll think you're gonna fuck that mix up because everyone's like closed-minded and immature and you start to get left behind. I know I really felt this way more so in college, like freshman and sophomore year, or not sophomore, cause I was abroad then, but like freshman year of college, I realized like, oh, like there are certain spaces where like the girls I'm friend with, friends with don't want me to come because it's about like flirting with boys and like a gay guy there will make the boys uncomfortable or like will fuck up the dynamic or like, I'm gonna, and someone's gonna end up getting saddled with me because like there's no guy for me to go off with. Right. Do you know what I mean? And it fucking sucks. And I think that like the, like the older I've gotten, the more I've come to realize that like it's why it's so important to make queer friends. And like that's easier said than done. But I think part of, I think here's my, do you know what my advice is to this sweet angel who I love so much? Tell recontextualize this in your mind. You're not getting pushed out of this friend group. You're growing out of it. That's what I was thinking. And it's like, it's recontextualize it as something that you're doing. You're growing. You're feeling the need to find something more fulfilling and more connected to and go do that. Don't view this as something that's happening to you and that you're a victim of. Does it suck that these people are throwing a party and not inviting you? A hundred percent. But do you want to hang out with people that kind of don't, aren't, are like throwing a party that you're not invited to? Right. No. Amen. So, and like through the internet, through whatever, like it's going to be hard and take time. But like, I think it's time to, you are like, also you have the gift of figuring out you're queer at a really young age. You get your power, you got your powers young, as I like to say, <laughs> go take advantage of that and start to go find community. I wish I had, I wish I had gone all in on having a lot of gay friends a lot younger. Like I wish I had really celebrated being a gay guy and making a lot of gay guy friends and other kind of queer people, but I like earlier in my life. I wish I had done it earlier. Now that I have that, now that I like have like groups of like all gay people that I hang out with all the time and we go to gay bars and we go to province, like that has like right. fulfilled my life in a way that like nothing else ever could. And the sooner you do it, the better. Right. So like that's, I would say that's what you need to do. And like, don't center them as the people who like have the power or have the experience and that you're the other because you're different than them. Right. Center yourself in your own story. Amen. As someone who has plenty of experience being excluded, not because I'm gay, just because I'm annoying. Um, <laughs> and also has lots of gay friends. High five. I have <laughs> been, I've a real I've ally been, <laughs> would never make a gay guy high five someone. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, been probably on either side of this dynamic when it comes to my gay friends. 
I'm sure in high school, one of my dearest friends was a gay guy. And one of our most frequent sort of spats that we'd have with each other was about like, I don't know, this girl's having an all girls sleepover. Why am I going? Even though he wasn't invited. Like it's a whole. It's complicated. It's really complicated. Um, It has more to do with them being the girls than with you as a person. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right. And I do think that this is the perfect opportunity to do exactly what Jake said, which is now it's time. My advice to anybody who's feeling excluded is now it's time to find your people. You're being pushed out of a group. Why would you want to be friends with these people? It doesn't make them bad people necessarily. People go through phases in life. We've had a whole, a whole episode about this. 100%. But you have to like, now it's time for you to find a different community. And also having gay friends, I've known how hard it is as an adult even to make friends in New York with people like other gay guys it doesn't come as naturally as just finding people the same gender as you it's a lot harder but take this opportunity and know that it's not about you you just have to keep that in mind like they're not excluding you because it's you they're excluding you because they are like finding their own girl community and like it is like that's the thing is like it sucks but it's like i don't villainize like the girls in my life who did that for doing that because i get it it's and wrong. also it's wrong, but people do wrong. And things. also who am I like if if like when like women if women are going to say like we want to like do something that is all women and have like a women only experience. Who am I as a man to say, you know, gay or not, I am a man. Who am I to say like I should be included in that? It's like, no, right. they have the right to like want a women only thing. Right. There and are nicer does, ways to go about it, though. But yes. they're young. You guys are young. And, and the feeling. Well, it's also just a scary feeling when you're gay and you're young and that you first realize that of like because I think that like. I remember feeling like, oh, I'm supposed to be friends with these boys. I don't have anything in common with them. Right. I don't connect with them in the way I connect with these girls. Right. That's something I felt in elementary school. Something I felt in middle school. And so then that becomes your friend group. And then when you realize, oh, there are aspects of their friendship that I'm not allowed to be a part of for whatever reason, you're like, oh, so then I don't have that at all. Because like you don't think... I could have that within my own community because like, especially if you're in a smaller town, you don't see that community existing. And maybe it doesn't exist there yet. Maybe you just have to wait until you get out of there, which is a really scary thought, but it is something that you're not alone in. And that's the benefit of the internet. You got to go online. That's like the benefit of the internet. Find some people like Jake who've had this experience, people that you can connect with and feel less alone. The most important thing that you can do right now is feel less alone. Even if you are, maybe it does mean you spend a couple Friday nights alone, which sucks. And you dig have to into know that like, it's not I don't know, you. dig into like, in that time, like dig into like the things, learn about, like learn about gay culture, watch like gay fucking movies, watch gay TV, like invest in like our history and our like, and all of that, because I think it, it will help you then You'll find the things within gay culture that you connect with that you like. And then via that, you will find other people who connect with those things. And that's a way to make friends within the gay community. Amen. Um, But I'm sorry. Like, it's just, it's, no matter how much progress we make, like, it is hard being gay and a teenager. Like, it just is. And that is, like, the reality of it. But it's the best thing that's ever going to happen to you also, FYI. Beautiful. Hey guys, I am a huge fan of the podcast. You both are so funny and just really put a smile on my face every episode. I love it. I'm calling in because I am a fellow New Yorker and I've been living in New York for a little over two years now. 
And since moving here, I have really, really struggled with my self-confidence. Um, I gained some weight since moving here, and I really struggle because I work in fashion, and I'm also in the influencer and creator space. This is my first time living in a city like this where there are thousands of other girls doing the same thing that I am, and I've really noticed myself comparing myself a lot more, but also just really getting down on myself. Um, and it's hard because I, I'm from Atlanta. I'm from a bigger city as well, but I really never experienced this extent of comparison and negative self-talk since moving to the city. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to see if you guys had any by any advice as to like how to get yourself out of your head. Um, it's really just affecting my ability to feel comfortable going up and talking to guys, mm. hooking up with guys, meeting guys, but also friendships as well. I feel like I'm just kind of a little bit of a shell of myself. Um, and I don't really feel like I am exuding that confidence that I used to um, since having moved and since I've been living in New York. So really appreciate any advice you guys have and love you guys. Oh, that's a toughie. Did I get drunk and call in? <laughs> and forget? <laughs> I'm 100% serious, and I don't say this to everybody. I think you should DM me and we should go out. We should have fun um, or sit in my apartment and just chit-chat. Because boy, oh boy, are we in alignment. Really? I, even in like in terms of jobs and you know being in a community filled with people who do similar jobs all of a sudden and being in New York for two years exactly. And I don't know. I just yeah. When she connect. said two years, I was like, "Wait, is that how long you've been here?" Mm -hmm. And the um, I've never. I'm very fortunate in that before moving to New York at 22, 23, I had never um, seriously struggled with anxiety or depression mm. or um, any type of self talk. Like like. Period. End of story. Really? I didn't have an internal monologue. I never heard my own voice in my head. And, you know, it, have you seen that thing on Twitter that's like, do you think like with an internal monologue? Yeah, I've or never heard you, of someone who changed from not having one to having one. I suddenly do. And the, but it's not that every thought I have is now um, verbal said. Yeah, verbal. But my negative thoughts have developed a verbal voice. In a way that I never like had before, and when people Whoa. would say, like I'd see Talia. in movies, the feeling like when people, the protagonist would have like a negative uh, voice in their head, say like, "Oh, you idiot! Like, what are you doing?" Yeah, I thought that that was for like dramatic effect in the movie. Like, I thought that that was for to convey a certain feeling. I didn't think that anybody ever experienced that. And then I moved here, and my mental health kind of took a bit of a nosedive, and I started hearing immediately. No, not immediately. Okay. It took some time. I think that the seasonal depression did contribute, though. It was my first I mean, time living sense. in a cold environment. That I makes do. Sense. I think I think that it made a difference. But um, I heard myself in my head for the first time, probably ever, saying things like, "Oh, you're such an idiot! Like, why would you do that? Why would you say that?" 
And so I understand more than ever at this time in my life how changing your environment actually is a much bigger internal change than I thought that it could ever be. And when people say that they became like a different person because they moved somewhere, like I always thought that was like a good thing. Like, oh, you've grown, you've changed, you've totally. developed a new. I never considered that like moving somewhere could have such an effect on you. So do you like New York? I've never liked anything more than New York, <laughs> which is so, I don't, I, and people are gonna feel confused hearing that. I, trust me, I feel very confused That's too. okay. But it just, and it doesn't mean I wanna leave. I don't think it's necessarily New York that did it to me. I think that it's a shift in my life. Well, leaving college also, like that period of time, entering the part of your life where it's like, there's no more bumper rails up in terms of like what the path is or like right. what you're gonna do that creates. I mean, like my first, I mean, my first year in New York for sure. And probably my first like two or three years were miserable, miserable, miserable. Miserable, 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 miserable. It doesn't help that we decided to take jobs where our- And this caller too. Yeah, our income, I'm sure in a similar way. I mean, your job is creative, so it relies on you being in a certain headspace. That's one type of pressure that I experience as well. But for myself and for you, our jobs rely on the better part of our audiences um, regarding us fondly and respecting us. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't my situation when I first moved here, but. Like to, to wake up in an apartment that is paid for by the fact that the better part of a million people still like me um, is a little bit not <laughs> That's conducive really to a healthy mindset. But, okay, so all that is to say that I'm, I get it and I love New York and I have no plans to leave ever. And I've had some of the happiest experiences of my life and grown more in the past couple of years than I ever have. But moving and any type of life change, putting yourself in a new community, especially of people who do a similar job as you, will create comparison in a way that you've never had before. Yeah. I thought that I had lived with comparison, having been through high school as a like, girl and yeah. a sorority. Like I thought that no, of course. my biggest hurdle in terms of comparison was like feeling not as pretty as somebody. I had never experienced the feeling of like, I always felt like my self-worth came from, you know, if I if I can't be the prettiest in the room, whatever, like I know that I'm the one in the room with like, I am creative, like I have ideas, I have a personality that is like, I could, I really have a confidence and a, and a opinion that people seem to wanna listen to. So that's my strength. And then I show up to the city and become <laughs> part of communities where everyone's thing is their opinions and their personalities and making money off of their voice. And I had never been surrounded by so many people who were talented and creative and gorgeous making and, and beautiful so at the same time. And nice. And people who have made me funnier and smarter. Yeah. But it's like, I listen back to this podcast and like I get, you know, comparison of you and I or like whatever. Like I get yeah. really, really in my head in a way that I never had. All that is to say, I think I needed to be in these environments. It's called leveling up. I needed my life to ramp up and to be around people who made me question myself and my talents and my self-worth because I need to know what my self-worth is now. It might have changed or it might have, you know, what makes me special and what makes me like myself and what makes me um, 
unique in terms of work and in terms of just like being like a good friend or whatever all the all the qualities that make me good at the different things that I do I needed to be challenged they needed to be challenged yeah I needed my creativity and my sort of stamina and will to live to be challenged for the first time ever you know I think that like depression and anxiety were things that lived deep within me and moving just brought them out of me to the surface and now it's just a new challenge that I had to face, which it took me a very long time to seek out medical help. And now I feel way better. And it took me a really long time to start changing my routine and exercising more and figuring out, you know, OK, I'm finally going to like decorate my apartment and make it a place where I have a sanctuary. I'm going to look for friends who are not in the influencer or comedian realm so that every single time I socialize, I'm not also forced to compare myself and look at what projects everybody else is doing and feel like I'm behind. You don't have to always be growing when you're when you are in New York. You don't always have to be surrounding yourself with people who are going to offer something to your life. You don't always have to be with friends who you find to be like competition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you need to make friends outside of the, like look at the spaces that are stressors for you right now. Like when you walk out of work, is that where you feel like the voices are the loudest in your head? When you walk out of your friend's apartment and like feel like, oh my God, like I, I don't know, I don't have as much money as this person. Like you need to look at the spaces in your life where you are being led to question yourself the most and make more space in your life for things that don't that make you feel like you like go be alone go you know make new friends who are not in your line of work make friends who have the same or less money than you so that you're not constantly comparing the place that you live you need to like not be in a space where you're always comparing yourself it's hard and at a certain point once you've done all the things that you can control you might actually have to go and change your chemical balances in your brain and go and get a pill but like the things that you can control is the fact that like maybe you shouldn't always be hanging out with work friends to socialize you know what i mean yeah i mean i think i think like the, i mean all of that is i think great advice and like i think it is clear that you two are in like similar boats mm -hmm. i think i was in a similar boat when i was younger because like what what comes to mind is I was so, before the pandemic, I was so, so involved at this theater called the Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> I mean, you know what it is, but the listener probably doesn't. Why are you laughing? This theater called the Upright Citizens That's Brigade. That's what it was called. Oh, it's just funny to hear you say that. Yeah, but like the high schoolers who listen, if I were like UCB, right. would I'm be sorry, like, what I'm is, sorry. no, you know, it's fine. I just feel like the people who do listen to this know because they're the same people who we Sure. Like. Okay. So I was super involved at UCB before the pandemic. Okay. and. It was my like whole world and my whole life. And, but I wanted to be a successful comedian and a successful actor and a successful writer. I wanted to do all these things. And I would be so hard on myself about my career and where I was at all the time. And there were all these people in the, in the New York comedy scene who I would convince myself I would like look at them and see their Instagram and they probably, I'd be like, oh, they probably think this about me. They probably think that about me. Like my, a lot That's of my, my negative, yeah. a lot of my negative self-talk was not so much me saying things to myself. It was me telling myself what other people thought about me. Yeah. Right. So I'd be like, oh, that probably, that person probably thinks I'm not funny. That person probably thinks I'm a loser because I do X, Y, and Z. I think about that all the time. After the pandemic, like my life was very different. My career changed. I started to meet all these people and they either liked me or did not know who the fuck I was, which yeah. is 
fine. Because I had for years thought like they had an opinion of me. They were looking at my Instagram. They weren't. No one's thinking about you. And that's the biggest trick that New York plays on you when you move here is you're, con- you're being perceived You th- because there's thousands of people around that all have opinions and all have these things. And you're seeing more people in an hour a day than you used to see in a month of your life. You feel like you're being perceived and you feel like everyone has a thought, everyone has an opinion on you. And so then you feel like you need to level up and become this person or you need to, you're being judged at every single pass and every single moment for what you're doing. No one fucking cares. Right. No one cares. Even like you with like however many followers you have, People when aren't people, thinking about me that When much. people see you, yeah. they might like your video, but when they're not seeing your videos, they're not thinking about you. Right. You know what I mean? And that's how it, just how it works. And the longer you go through your life, the, the longer you go on, the more and more that becomes abundantly clear that like, oh, all these negative things I pe- think people think about me, all these negative things I'm worried about, it's in my head and no one else's. So let me stop. Well, that's why I say that maybe the people that you hang out with all day long should not be the people that make you feel this way. And it doesn't mean it's their fault or that they're bad friends to have. It's great to surround yourself with people who are constantly making you feel like you need to level up. Like the reason I moved to New York because I got a job out here, it was the end of my college career and the beginning of comedy or entertainment or whatever you want to call it. It got harder for a reason. It's not supposed to be easy when you like right. move into this new phase. No, I totally. started surrounding myself with people who were, I don't know if you want to call them competition or people who were mentors to me or people who were like in my field. That's what's supposed to happen. I can't always be surrounded by people who don't want to do what I do or whatever. I need to be in like a competitive environment. You're growing. You're becoming a different person right now. These are growing pains. I really do feel that way. But you don't constantly need to be growing. You don't constantly need to be around people who you're thinking about work or you're thinking about money or you're thinking about, right, you know, like I'm go, not as happy as this person. Like go, go find somebody who has nothing to do. Go join like, a club that yeah. has nothing to do with your career. Go play, like, join like volleyball. Yeah, or join volleyball, join something like that. Like do, join a ceramics class. Like go meet some people who have nothing to do with your day-to-day life. Yeah, go do something that like people you might think is like lame, but that you like. Right, exactly. Like go and relax. And if that means being alone, like for me, I personally, the only way that I can wind down, socializing for a lot of people is a way to wind down, like being around people that make them feel calm. There is no such thing as a person who makes me feel calm. To be alone is my calm. I, I don't like to talk really. And I find that just like going out of my, even my neighborhood. Like if I need to relax, When I'm at home in my neighborhood in New York, I feel like I'm going back to work. Like I'm in my zone. Like this is my home is my office. Maybe that's not such a healthy thing. I'm trying to work on making my home, as I said, feel more like home. That's another thing that you could explore. But my area, the place where I spend my day-to-day life feels like my office. That's the area of the city where I'm in that headspace and I feel like, oh, I'm stressed. I'm constantly like thinking, why are you right. not creating content right now? Why are you not writing right now? Why are you not, you know, going to a show right now to meet some people? Right. Like whenever I'm in these, like this, this square mile of New York City, if I go all the way uptown to like the top of Central Park, I really do, it does get quieter. And I do feel like- I mean, it's also a quieter part of town. It is a quieter part of town and that's, you know, but I feel like, oh, I'm away from people my age for a second. I'm like away, like I need to be away from the young people. I need to like go, I don't know, I'll go to like the Upper West Side and just be like, I needed to spend two hours here and not write, not work, not do anything. Just go there. Yeah, you're actually touching on something so important because that's the other thing about New York is that like, 
you think New York's making you feel this way, but the the, the tiny little pocket of New of York New that York you're that you exist in. In, existing in is what's making you feel this way. Yes. And there are hundreds of other pockets of New York that will not make you feel that way. You need to and find a little serenity. And that's so real. You need Be, to like find yes. somewhere where you don't go to sleep, sleep or work. Like you need to go somewhere where you yeah. don't know anybody. That's what I'm trying. That's kind of what I was trying to touch on with the UCB thing is like when I was at UCB, like my whole life was that I was yeah. there five nights a week. And like when I wasn't there, I was thinking about it. And like when I was seeing other friends who weren't a part of it, I was talking about it. Yeah. And it was like it made it my whole world now because that's gone. And I have a comedy career, but it really feels more like. It's like, it is a huge, huge, huge part of my life. But then I have my friends who aren't comedians. So it's like, I go to work, I do work. And then I go see my friends and we talk about, maybe we all talk about work, but like it's a shared thing. We're all talking about our different jobs. And then we also talk about like our lives, you know? Right. And it has made it feel much more normal and healthy. Yeah. And also what happens then is, because the reality of the situation is, like, and this is true for you, and I don't really know exactly how this caller's career exactly works, but, like, I, I think in the large part it is still true. No one's your competition because no one else is doing what you're doing. Exactly. You know what I mean? But that's a very hard when you're when your mindset, you've programmed yourself for a certain number of months you've been in the mindset of feeling like you're bad at everything. No, I and know. you're telling yourself that. Every single person, and not just people in your career, but every single person your age, every single girl you meet, everything feels like a competition. Yeah. Because you feel like you're failing all the time. Yeah. And everyone else to you is the winners of a game that nobody's in. It's just what Jake was saying. You have made yourself feel like a loser in a game that nobody else knows is being played. Yeah. Nobody is playing this game in your head. You are the only person who has created this world. Yeah. Your perception of yourself is not what people think of you. I'm saying this, I'm not at a place where I fully believe it. I still have a really hard time convincing myself that every thought that I have is not objectively true about myself. Yeah. Um but that's why, you know, I've I, you have to try a couple different things and these are the things that are in your control. Changing your environment, changing who you're hanging out with and just creating some sort of like Space. balance or yeah. routine in your life that doesn't make it revolve around the thing that makes you most insecure but after that it still might not get easier like just going for a walk one hour a day in the brisk air does not help and i really hate the advice that like oh just change up your environment and you'll feel better sometimes it's a chemical issue and sometimes you really are just going through a year where it's tough and you just it's the wrong combination of things you know what i mean yeah Mine was set off by a really traumatic death. And ever since then, I have not been myself and it's going to take a very long time. And it just, it's be, it becomes like a domino effect and I have to rebuild myself again. But we all go in phases of our life and it's okay to have a phase of your life that is darker. You're doing a lot of growing right now. As I said, this has been a darker phase of my life, but I've also made more friends, done more in my career. I've felt more in touch with my creativity and grown more than I ever have, but I've been less happy than I've ever been. There's a certain point where it's like, yeah, you can go to therapy. For me personally, therapy isn't really my thing. It doesn't really help me as much as I felt that like changing my medication does. Like go on, I went on Lexapro. I'm already feeling a lot better. You know, you have to, you change your diet, you change your sleep patterns. It's just, you have to, it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall or whatever. Yeah. And seeing I'm what sorry sticks. the things have been so hard. Things have been, oh, for me? Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry to this person. But I, I'm i like, okay. Like, I've really accepted that, like, I'm getting better. And then in a couple years, maybe, like, another thing will happen or, like, something will just set me off and I will, you know, I'll get really bad seasonal depression. And or, like, But also at the same time, fine. there's also, I don't know, there's also, I'm a big 
I really think that like you're gonna if you're feeling better and you're gonna continue to in a few years I think you'll feel very happy and it'll be a happiness that you've never known before because it'll be you'll be able to reflect on this time when you were so unhappy right you know but I, I mean? also think that like life fluctuates but it's all about how you learn to deal with it yes and the fact that this is your first major time going through it I think that it's okay to kind of just I maybe I'm projecting here but a pattern of thought I'm really prone to falling into is like oh look at all the time I've wasted but you have to look back and be like no this was like my sad two years my dark two years but look at how far I've come and how much I've done yeah. and how much I've grown like a depression year is not time wasted no no you're no, no, gonna no, no, have no. a couple and every time you do it's going to be a lot easier to overcome it and you're going to learn new tools just like what we just shared with things that you can control in order to get out of it. Absolutely. But you're always going to have like dark seasons. There's always going to be seasons of your life that are not great. You're going to get better with them, but this is the first one and you're not like most people, you feel so alone and that's how they're kind of designed to feel. Everyone's had it. And you and I are so lucky that the first time we're really experiencing the trenches is when we're in our 20s and like we have friends and people around us and we're okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, you're having a shitty time and these are the things that you can control, but also like this is not time wasted. This is just a dark time and it's going to end. 100%. And you're going to get better at handling it. That was beautiful, Talia. <sighs> you're beautiful. Oh, use your finger to unlock it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we did it. This okay. has been basic training. Should we see how many people unfollowed me in the past hour? Wait, that's fun. Here we go. One, two, three, 200 more. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. 600 followers? 600 people unfollowed me today. Okay, when I I posted it two hours ago. Wait, but I'll tell you this. I lost, I lost 400 when I posted my thirst trap and then I gained them back over like a month. Yeah, it's like, you know, followers come back. It's also, like, oh my God, why does everyone hate my boobs? I think that it's 600 girls who were so like intimidated by how hot you are. They're like, I can't handle this. It's actually for my baldness that I have to un unfollow her so I don't see someone well, it's with- people who decided that I'm not worthy of being taken seriously anymore. I think I'm right. That's actually please. literally not what it is. See? See what I'm doing? Yeah. Anonymous girl who called in. See what I'm doing? I'm convincing myself that because I posted a picture of my titties- Nobody will ever see me as smart and funny again. They then that's you gotta just cut out this true. black and white that's thinking. That's just not true. Even though the see the proof says otherwise, though. <laughs> no, but I did lose a thousand followers almost. No, okay, no, but okay, but that doesn't mean they followed you because they don't respect you. It means that they don't like boobs. It, no, that's just not what it means. How many what likes does, does the post have? How many likes does the post have? Seven thousand. That's a huge <laughs> number of people that liked it. Do you see how you're focusing on like a smaller number of negative than like the larger number of positive? I just get so nervous. I delete it. No. I just feel um, like a skank. And the one of the dads of the kids I babysat made a joke to me. Today. I think not a creepy one, just like a oh look at you. Okay, I think leave now it. I'm like oh I feel I, bad. I think just leave it up. I'm, I made everyone uncomfortable. You didn't make anyone uncomfortable. I hope my parents don't see it. It's gonna be fine. This has been Basic Training. If you want to call in, the number is 929-269-4960. All the calls are amazing. Talia's going to keep the post up. And it's uncomfortable, but we're watching her grow. Yes, growth is important. I'm going to post my bare ass on Instagram tomorrow. It'll make me look better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it. bye. Bye, guys. Bye.